Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. You know, in life, the question is not if you're going to have problems, but how are you going to deal with your problems? If the possibility of failure were erased, what would you attempt to achieve? Well, the essence of being human is imperfection. Know that you're going to make mistakes. The person who never makes the mistakes takes their orders from the one who does. <laughs> well, wake up and realize this, that failure is simply a price we pay to achieve success. Today, our guest, Niku Lausch, who is a holistic health coach, a gut health specialist, a master Pilates yoga bar teacher, believer, podcast host, major league baseball wife, a mama of three, to name a few of her many roles, is going to help you not only take back your life, but your health so that you can be filled with gratitude, trust your intuition, and be authentically confident in who God has made you to be. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Janie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. It is so good to have you here, Niku. So tell us, outside of your bio, who is Niku? Who are you? All the people that are now meeting you, they're introducing, I gave your long list of roles and accolades and all those things. So if we put that bio aside, who are you? I'm a lover of all things movement, mindfulness, and community. Any opportunity that I have to bring people together in unity and show them the power of movement and really just tapping into the power of mindfulness and helping that, using that as a tool to help you connect to your best and highest self, that's that's really who I am. I'm a, I'm a very passionate person. I love to travel <laughs> so much. I want to see the whole world. And I just truly am just a lover of of humanity and all that, that, that there is in human and in humanity. So, yeah. So a woman who is living out her purpose and enjoying the ride along the way. Totally. So, so uh, tell us, this is more of a curiosity for me, but I'm sure others have the same curiosity. Tell me how um, your parents came up with your name, Niku. <laughs> <laughs> so funny enough, I'm first generation Persian American. My parents both immigrated here in 1978 from Iran during the whole revolution and the Shah being overturned and all of that. So my mom wanted me to have a very Persian name and she wanted it to be something that meant good. And Niku translates to anything good. So that's how she gave me that name. I love it. Anything good. It's special. <laughs> yep. So I know that you recently launched your show, Failing Forward. You know, I know a lot of times we can hear that, but in particular, two things, Niku. What does that mean exactly, right, for people that are listening and, watch, uh, and watching us? And why did you name your show, your podcast show, Feeling Forward? It's a great question. So I think a lot of us, if we really take a look at life, it's, it's not a smooth road, right? It's a bumpy road. And if we're just focused on trying to learn from every challenge that we face and we learn how to fail forward from that challenge, right, 
we're, we're going to be faced with challenges. We're going to be faced with failures, but it's how we look at those failures, how we learn from those failures, how we overcome those failures, right? It's a temporary setback that we continue to move forward in our lives and progress and to really move towards the person that we want to become. So I named it failing forward because I wanted people to focus on life is a string of challenges, but it's how we look at those challenges as a positive that they're there to help you elevate. They're there to help teach you something about yourself. And for me, it was failing forward in my career, failing forward in my health, failing forward in so many different aspects of my life. So I wanted to really make that podcast a really special place that people can come and talk about how they failed forward and how they've learned and progressed and just help those little challenges to to get to where they are today. And absolutely. It's a great show. I listened to a few episodes uh, today as I knew we were going to spend time together. And I think you do a good job of giving people a lot of good information just to live their life and to move past some of the stumbling blocks that everyone, that all of us have experienced. So you mentioned career. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, the moment where you failed forward. I heard you talk a little bit about on the show with with Barbara, but when you were on your career and just your own um, journey of feeling um, like you were failing, but really looking forward, looking at it as a way that it propelled you, you forward. So what can you share with us? Yeah, it's funny. So you heard the interview with Barbara already. Um, her and I actually worked in the very similar business. We did sales and marketing, direct sales and marketing, which was face-to-face getting 200 no's a day. And when I started my first sales company at 21 years old, I it was me and two people. And within a couple of weeks, everyone in my business quit on me. So it was me, two girls. We had hired a couple of people and then everyone quit. I had to kind of start all over from scratch. And it was really, really challenging because in the direct marketing business, especially when you have a client like Home Depot, our job is to staff their stores. And I did not have anyone to staff the stores with. So I had to get really, really creative on how I was going to do recruiting, how I was going to really expedite the training process and how I was going to staff these stores. I got my little brother involved. I got some family members involved. My cousin helped me staff a couple of stores too. And then, you know, we really rebuilt that business from scratch, but that was a huge failing forward um, experience for me with my first company for sure. Absolutely. So take us a little bit on. So if we're on a train and we're looking out of the window of the train and we're looking at Niku's life, how did you get to be where you are now as far as your career, being a holistic health coach and uh, master Pilates instructor? Just love some of your Instagram pictures and poses, just embodies a lot of things from a symbolic uh, stance. But how did you what was your journey like where you got to what you chose to do now? So I've always loved movement. I've been working out since I was 13 years old. My father was an amateur weightlifter. So he got me into the gym at a very young age. And I just, I loved how I felt after a good workout. I felt empowered. I felt confident. I felt like I had this energy. It just carried over into all aspects of my life, mentally, physically, emotionally. And I, I was introduced to Pilates when I was 19 and yoga And I fell in love with it. It was like this artistic expression of movement and breath and this deep connection, right, of self-awareness. So I really fell in love with Pilates and yoga. And when I met my husband, um, 
seven, eight years ago. I don't know. It's been a while, but he always knew that I love Pilates and yoga. He's like, if ever you were to decide to not do the sales and marketing gig anymore, I want you to be able to know that you can pursue your passion and do anything that you want to do. So he kind of gave me that confidence boost of, I can leave that sales and marketing company and kind of graduate out of that and get into my passion, which was teaching people movement and how that movement can help them in all aspects of their life, which is when I started to learn about holistic health coaching. And it really is teaching people how to live a balanced life physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, right? So I got into health coaching seven years ago. I got, I started my Pilates company in 2017 and it's just kind of been a whirlwind since then, just teaching people movement and teaching people how to live their best balanced lives. So you you mentioned, um, Niku, your your husband, and I heard the two of you at the breakfast table a couple of weeks back, or it may have been more, but it feels like it was a couple of weeks back. So tell <laughs> us a little bit about your journey together as a, as a couple. How did the two of you meet? And you have in your bio that you're an MLB wife. Like, what is, how is, how do you define yourself along his journey as well? Yeah, it's funny. We actually met in 2014 and we were introduced at the dinner table by one of my college friends. So it was kind of like, I wouldn't even say it was love at first sight. We were just so attracted to each other because we were both very independent. We were both very focused. He was focused on his career as a major league baseball pitcher. And I was just very focused on my sales and marketing company. And we just very quickly found out that we had a lot in common. We were both very driven. We were both very determined to accomplishing our goals. And we really enjoyed a lot of the same things. We both like to work out. We both like to compete, right? Um, And then, yeah, it was kind of interesting how it started. We did, our first year was all long distance. He was playing for the Milwaukee Brewers. I was living in Los Angeles. So luckily I had offices all over the country. So if he was playing in San Francisco, I would go visit my San Francisco office and then go catch the game Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, see him. And then he fly off to the next city on Sunday and I fly back home and we do it all over again the following week. And it was a whirlwind for those, that first year. Um, and then fast forward, he said, well, this isn't going to work. We're not going to be able to do this forever. So let's, let's live together. And I try to get him to come out to California and live there with me, which he did for one off season. He does not like California. So then he convinced me to move back to Arizona with him. And that's, that's where we've planted ourselves. So now we live here in very sunny Arizona. It's 111 degrees today. (laughs) Um, I can only imagine. I'm in Florida, so it's uh, hot, but a different type of heat, not 111. (laughs) A humid heat, which sometimes can feel like it's a lot hotter. Absolutely. So going back to just being a holistic um, coach and looking at all the different areas of life, can you share with us some of, you know, sometimes our greatest pain points leads us and fuels us forward in our areas of passion. Could you share with us some of your greatest life pain points that are the fuel to making health your priority, especially from what I hear, your passion for women? Yeah. So I suffered with really, really bad postpartum depression. Um, a little under two years ago, my son turned two on August 21st. And that was the first experience that I had with how hormonal imbalances really impact women in a very big way, mentally and emotionally, and even spiritually. It just kind of makes us lose sense of self, lose sense of our identity, lose sense of our purpose and lose sense of this connection to a higher power. So through that experience of me dealing with that postpartum depression and healing myself naturally, and holistically through food and mindfulness and movement, I really wanted to get out there and just help as many women as I can know that they too can heal themselves and rebalance their hormones 
naturally and holistically without having to be on hormone therapy, without having to be on a bunch of medications and SSRIs, antidepressants, right? So I'm just, I have a huge place in my heart for women that are suffering in silence right now, especially postpartum mamas, because there is a stigma about it. People say you're a mom, so you're just supposed to smile and just put on a good face. And, and they don't understand that mothers need help. They need support and they need to be able to talk about the things that they're going through. So I just have a very big place in my heart for, for women that are suffering and I want to help them as much as I can. So let's dive a little deeper there because I believe a lot of women can relate to that. And, you know, you're absolutely right. A lot of a lot of times moms suffer in silence. And, you know, what I'll hear, Niku, is sometimes people will feel like different ex- different experiences, but their first experience can be when they looked at their baby, they didn't feel a connection. Or when they first brought their baby home, they just felt overwhelmed, right? So people get that first sign, that first signal. It appears in many different ways. I mean, walk us through your journeys, and I believe it will help set a lot of women free. How did you first know that there was something wrong? And then what were some of the things that you... You did, because what I'll hear, Niku, is sometimes when people first realize that something is wrong, they will suffer in silence. They'll stay, they'll try to fight it, they'll pray, they'll try to do all these other things, and they realize that something is not changing. And sometimes women will feel ashamed, you know, especially if they don't feel it's not about their child or their baby. It's about them, but they don't feel the connection or they feel like, you know what, motherhood is not supposed to be this way. You know, we have fantasies, all these different things. So walk us through what was your journey like and what was that first time where you realized that because I know you discuss a lot about your dark days and walking through those experiences of postpartum and just depression in, in general. And um, so so walk us through your journey. So a lot of women can can hear your journey and hopefully get some help themselves. Definitely. So mine kind of started at, during my birth story. We had a very traumatic delivery. Um, everything was perfect. It was all good until the push phase. And what we didn't realize is that my son had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck twice. So as I was pushing him out, I was cutting off his, his oxygen and they started to see the oxygen was completely coming down. They tried to put the mask on me and he ended up not, he wasn't breathing upon delivery. So the NICU team was brought in and they were trying to get him back to breathing during his first cry. So that was very traumatic for me. I, I didn't know if I had a stillborn baby. Luckily, a minute, 10 seconds later, he he let out his first cry. He took his first breath, but it was really scary for me as a first time mom. That was the first time I delivered my own child. I am a stepmother to two, but this was my first delivery and it was just really scary. So I remember when we went home two nights later, I started to have these nightmares at night that he was drowning or that I was drowning or that we were drowning together. And I wake up and I go, he was like right next to my bed in his little, his little, I don't even know what they're called. It's not a crib, but one of those little things. And I would go and just like, watch him just be like, Kai, are you alive? Like, are you okay? Cause I just had this like nightmare that he wasn't breathing or that he was drowning. And a lot of that was just from the delivery and just having these visualizations that kept going through my head of horrible things happening or, or him and I both passing away together. So it started there. And then obviously take into account having a newborn, you're not sleeping a lot, right? Because they're feeding every hour, two hours, three hours. So the extreme sleep deprivation coupled with these nightmares, coupled with this fear that I had that I was going to lose my baby to either drowning or he wasn't breathing. Fast forward eight weeks later, that's when it all kind of came to a head. And I just was not feeling like myself. I was questioning my ability to be a mom. I was questioning if this was 
the right decision for me. I was questioning if I would be able to protect him. And it just, it kind of came to a head when I went to my doctor's appointment and I was explaining to them how I was feeling. They were like, yeah, you definitely have postpartum depression. And, and they wanted to put me on low grade SSRIs, put me on a Zoloft or something just to help kind of balance out my mood. But I didn't want to take it at the time. And it was just, it was, it was scary. It was scary to say the least. Take us to that moment right there when you asked for help and you discussed with your physician, because a lot of women, that's the moment that is pivotal is to verbalize it. And especially if there are um, passive thoughts that they are ashamed of or don't want to share, you know, what did, what did it take for you to even be able to express that to, to your physician? Because I think there's a lot of women that are going to hear this and they may be suffering right at that moment, but haven't reached out for help. So what made you decide, you know what, I need to discuss this with my physician, Yeah. For me, it was just that I no longer felt like myself anymore. And I had lost sense of myself. I had lost sense of my identity. I was, I was really, really suffering in silence. And I, I didn't feel like I can talk to anyone about it. I felt ashamed of my thoughts. I felt ashamed of even thinking that I, I couldn't be a good mom for my son. And I just knew that I had to talk to a professional about it because I'm sure they've been through it or they've seen many women go through their office that have been through it too. And I just needed direction. I needed a solution. I needed an, a plan of what could I be doing so that I don't feel this way and think this way anymore. And I just, I knew that I needed to talk to someone about it because me sitting there just talking to myself was not gonna, was not gonna help me just to continue to repeat these self-limiting beliefs within my own head was not going to help me be my best self. So I knew I needed to speak about it. It was very hard to do. It was embarrassing. Um, I felt like I had completely failed, right? Here's another place of failure, but I, I know life is all about failing forward. So I need to take a step in order to fail forward through this, this crisis. And I knew it was a crisis because I had never felt this low before in my life. So for me, it was kind of like, okay, I'm not, I'm not a victim, but I am someone that's suffering. And I know that there are solutions out there for those that are suffering, but it starts with taking that first step to speak on how you're feeling so that you can be given the direction that you need to help you in your healing. So then on the other side, Niku, of that doctor's appointment, so again, we're on that train and we're watching your journey, you know, all the way up until now, like, what are you doing to keep that in check? Because part of it is that awareness and then in getting treatment and then it doesn't just go away in a closet. There has to be continuous self-care and being proactive around that. So what would be some practical things that you can share for someone that may be listening and relate to your story? For sure. For me, finding my new normal helped a lot. So before having the baby, I was a very active person. I was going to the gym. I was taking group fitness classes. I was dancing. I was doing my Pilates. And after having the baby, all that stopped. And I understand there's a time and a place for when you have a newborn, your attention all goes to him, but you need to start to create a routine that includes you. And it's not just hundred percent about the baby. One of my friends just had baby a month ago. And the first week after delivering, she was already back in a mall shopping because that's something that made her feel happy. And she had her baby right there with her. And I talked to her and now I see her all the time. And she is the happiest mom that I've ever seen because she got back to her routine as quickly as possible. It was the baby fitting into her world, not her now fitting into the baby's world, losing sense of herself, losing sense of her routine. And I think that's so true. They even say when you 
when you get a puppy, right? It's not you're now living around that puppy's life. It's that puppy is now coming into your family's life. So they go by your rules. They go by your structure, right? It's the same thing when you're having a baby. That baby is now assimilating into your family, into your household, into your routine, not vice versa. So I think when moms completely let go of themselves and their routine, and they're 100% just doing everything for the baby, that that really puts us down the slippery slope of now losing sense of self, losing sense of identity, losing sense of the things that make us feel happy, healthy, and whole as a mother, which then can lead us down this path of, well, what about me, right? And that's kind of where we start to have these thoughts and feelings that don't serve us. Absolutely. And thank you for for sharing that. And also in your vulnerable journey, you know, we share our story so it inspires others. So so thank you for that. So when you think about it, I'm going to pivot here because um, I hear you a lot just passionately talking about health. And I would imagine that's also part of your self-care. And I know you recently just went through um, a health challenge. But in your journey with working with so many women, I mean, what do you see as the common barriers to taking our health seriously and making it our number one priority with all the women that you've worked with? What are some of the common things that, you know, people probably can relate to? (laughs) I think a lot of women um, are big time emotional eaters and this is women and men, right? So we get angry, we get mad, we get sad and we immediately reach for a food that's going to make us feel good. It's going to make us feel happy. It's going to make us feel rewarded. Or, Or there's another thing, like people eat food to reward themselves. When they do something good, what do they do? They go and they get ice cream. Oh, I did something good. Let's go get ice cream or let's go out for a fancy dinner. And we need to stop looking at food as our therapy. Food is there to nourish our bodies, to help us feel satiated, happy, and healthy. So I think with a lot of women, helping them break that emotional eating component is key and pivotal. And then making sure that we're breaking sugar addiction because sugar addictions are a leading killer. They're causing so much inflammation. They're causing a lot of mental health issues. When we look at sugar and how it actually ages our skins too, because of the ages, the the advanced glycation end products. I mean, there's just so many things that sugar is doing our bodies so much havoc and just helping women first and foremost, realize that they have a sugar addiction Mm -hmm. because a lot of women think sugar is just candy and it's not. Sugar comes in the form of white rice, white flour, um, a lot of other products that we're all eating all the time. Bread is full of sugar, right? So helping them identify what is sugar and then making sure that we can really start to mitigate the consumption of the sugar because of all the things that it's doing poorly for our body. Number one being inflammation. Where there's inflammation, there's the recipe for disease. So I help women break that sugar addiction to help them increase and improve their immunity and to also help get give them their life back. So that's, that's the key. I, yeah, 100%. It's getting their life back right there. So with emotional eating, right? Because what I'll see is some people will get into emotional eating Niku because it's their coping mechanism, right? So they've learned, or some people, it's even their, um, how they grew up culturally, that food was the family was always surrounded by food or funerals. There's food, food, uh, food, uh, food. And as you mentioned, even with celebrations, there's food, all these types of things. So, you know, what have you seen with the women that you've worked with and how, yes, they've now identified, okay, I'm emotionally eating. I like the sugar, all this great stuff. And okay, well, if that goes away, well, then what do I do? <laughs> Cause I'm so used to <laughs> surrounding my life around food. I mean, what are some practical things? I mean, I know it goes a lot deeper, um, as far as, um, 
um, helping women really get into their unique experience, but just generally, what are some things that you've seen with some of your clients that have been successfully successful in breaking that emotional eating and being able to replace it with healthier habits? Yeah. So I think finding different ways to reward yourself outside of just eating. So find something that you truly love. For my clients, I try to help them find one form of movement that they truly enjoy. A lot of people don't enjoy going to the gym. They don't enjoy weightlifting. They don't enjoy cardio. And I get that. I don't love cardio at all, but I do love yoga and Pilates and these more mindful forms of movement. So helping clients find something that they can do that is movement-based that they enjoy. Maybe it's hiking. Maybe it's an early morning walk when the sun's rising. Maybe it's an afternoon walk when the sun's setting, right? A lot of people love that early morning sun, that later afternoon sun. So finding a time of the day that works best for them is something that they truly enjoy doing. I didn't even know until recently that I love to jump rope. So I just bought this really cool jump rope that lights up. And every time I jump, it's telling me like how many jumps I've done. It's so much fun. So I'm jumping at like 105, 120. My goal is to get to 300, right? I have so much fun with that, but you need to find a form of movement that you truly enjoy. And that makes you feel happy and just feel, feel like it's easy. It, it should feel easy. It shouldn't feel boring. It shouldn't feel like excruciating for you to, to get there to do it, right? For a lot of people, it's being outside with nature, going on a hike, going for a walk. Um, but there's so many different forms of movement, riding your bike, running around with your kids at the park. You can go on skateboarding. You can go on a scooter, right? There's, there's so many different forms of movement, not the electric scooters. That doesn't count. But the ones <laughs> that you actually have to pedal and use your own legs. But just find ways that you can move your body and use your body. And when you do that, you're releasing these endorphins. You're you're building natural adrenaline. And that adrenaline is going to make you feel good. It's a huge reward system. Similar to when you're eating sugar and you get that hit of dopamine with workouts, that adrenaline, it gives you a very similar feeling of reward as well. So movement number one is one thing that I help. Um, people find a form of movement that will help them feel good because it's all about finding a reward system that helps you feel good outside of food. Second thing is mindfulness. And there's so many different forms of mindfulness. For some people, their mindfulness is prayer. That's what it is for me, praying every single morning, praying every single night, and then gratitude practices too. Starting your day in a place of gratitude, going through five to 10 things that you are truly grateful for will just start you in a right positive mindset. Another form of mindfulness that helps a lot of people is meditation. There's so many guided meditations that you can find on YouTube, on Spotify, that can be very, very helpful, especially when you're in a time of um, like in a low place. There's meditations on anger. There's meditations on emotional eating. You can literally go and Google emotional eating meditation. You'll find a guided meditation that will help take you through a meditation on emotional eating and how to break that because a lot of it is reprogramming that subconscious mind. We need to change those thoughts inside of our mind and that's going to help us change our actions that we take. So meditation is a really powerful way to help you reprogram the subconscious mind. And I'm glad you said that because sometimes people will hear meditation and mindfulness and they're like, well, what is that? And how is that going to help me? And, you know, I think it's really good that you mentioned about just moving our body, you know, and, and, and as you're saying that, the thought came to me when I was trying to use my son's skateboard. I did not do so great. <laughs> I would not have want that filmed. Um, but hey, I tried it and realized that was not for me. But, you know, I also will see and I'm wondering what your thoughts are around this with the women that you work with is that when they're trying to move their body and connect 
whether it's their emotional eating and their sugar addiction, that it's not that easy because sometimes people have to do the deeper work. You know, in particular, what comes to mind for for me is trauma, that sometimes if people have untreated childhood abuses, all of that is so deeply rooted in their coping mechanism. And one of the areas that we'll see sometimes sometimes with um, untreated sexual childhood abuse is the emotional eating is also tied to creating a certain barrier through weight because not wanting attention. So kind of dealing with some of that deeper work becomes a hindrance to actually getting to some of the body mindfulness work. So how do you recognize that in your clients when you realize, you know what, there's probably some untreated trauma here. I'm just going to use the word generally speaking, and they probably need to seek either therapy or they need to seek something more deeper so that the second step can then be we can do the body work. Because when I look at therapy and treating uh, women in particular, a healing process, there's usually three pillars. That pillar is first is the mindset work. You cannot move past that. And so we do the mindset work. And then it's the inner child work. It's looking at you know, uh, abandonment issues, rejection issues, childhood messaging, programming, as you mentioned. And then the third part is that body work. We have because the body keeps the score. Trauma is stored in our body. So when you're working with your women, how do you recognize that and gently approach them to say, you know what, it's probably more than just um, learning that you have a sugar addiction or emotional eating? Because, you know, sometimes people can get offended. I mean, Nikki, if we're we're honest about it, right? So we have to approach that with such sensitivity. 100%. It's so good that you say that, Dr. Janie, because I have a client that I'm working with currently right now in our gut reset program. And uh, I keep seeing the same repeating fear signal, right? doesn't matter what information that person's given or what tools are given or how much the science is laid out for them. They constantly keep reverting back to a place of fear. So they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll try something different and they start to get scared about something is happening or they, whatever it is. So when I see a lot of women, even when they're given all the tools to help them heal, if they keep going to a place of fear, a place of the worst case scenario happening, that's when I'm like, "Hmm, there's something deeper here. People that are constantly living in a place of fear, they're tending to run away from something, something from their past that we need to go ahead and take a look at what happened, what they're running from, heal from that, move forward from that, because they're not actually living in the present moment. So when I see a lot of fear happening, I can see a lot of people holding onto things from the past that they haven't worked through yet. That's been the number one thing that I've seen. And I'm glad that you you said that because I would imagine, you know, just as in therapy processes and coaching processes is people can sabotage. They can hear the things that you're saying and struggle with those things and find themselves in a pattern. And I look at it as two buckets, right? We have patterns of life and then we have a problem of life. A problem can be exactly tackled through a lot of things that we're talking about. But if there's a pattern, there has to be that that deeper work that's that's um that's done. And then it's amazing how I'll see people will embody that physical work and being able to have the results a lot quicker and feel good. And then really being attached, right? We look at depersonalization and also where people feel like they have out-of-body experiences or walking around, but not necessarily connected to their body. So, you know, we are so appreciating this conversation because I know that uh, there is someone who is going to find redemption through your story. So we will be right back on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey with our holistic health coach, Niku.
Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed? This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it. Anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey with our special guest, Niku, who is a holistic health coach, and she's helping us take our life back and in particularly our health. So before we went to, to break, we were talking about just emotional eating and just trauma and mental health and how that's all tied together. But I want to um, pivot to some live questions that, that came through, two of them in particular. One is, how do you personally, Niku, balance being a mom, being a wife, and um, b- running your own business, which I think is the million-dollar question <laughs> for many of us that um, that have many different roles. So what's your take on that? Balance. What does that even mean? <laughs> That's such a great question, and I'm still trying to figure it out if we're being completely honest and transparent. 
Um, I think for me, it's just about like having little pockets throughout the day that are non-negotiables. I have a non-negotiable part of my day that is just set for family. I have a non-negotiable part of my day. Like when I'm running the Pilates studio, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 12 to five. And that's it. If a client wants to come in in the morning, they want to come on a different day. I'm not available. So those are the days. Those are the hours and they're non-negotiable. And then I have non-negotiable parts of my week that are also set for myself, for my workouts, for the things that I love to do, whether it's going in, getting my hair done or getting my nails done, whatever's going to make me feel good. Um, I, I have those non-negotiables. And one thing that I'm really trying to work on right now is just finding time for my husband and I, right? Because I know the first two years with our baby, we were just really trying to figure out, okay, how to manage this whole family life. And now we're at a point where we really are trying to find times for date night. So we're getting a sitter, a specific day every single week. Right now it's more like every third week, but our goal is to make it a weekly affair where we do date nights together. And then just like once or twice a year going on a vacation together, even if it's just for a quick weekend getaway, just for the two of us that we can find that connection with each other again. Cause I think that's really, really important is making sure that you guys are keeping your marriages strong. And it's about carving that time out for your marriage, for your husband. That really just helps you continue to grow together because if the marriage is strong, then the whole family will be strong too. But that's one thing that we are currently working on right now. It's finding that balance within us so that we can have more balanced family life as well. Absolutely. And with your, there's, there's two, um, direct messages that came through to ask you and one's about gut reset. But with your husband in particular, when he's in season, how do the two of you stay connected is the question. (laughs) I think a lot of people always wonder about that. Yeah, the seasons are crazy. Luckily, he is now retired. He actually retired a few years ago. But when he was in season, it was it was a whirlwind. I mean, for baseball, they start in February with spring training. So it's six weeks of spring training in Arizona. At the time I was still in LA. So that was a whirlwind and they would have to be at the field at like 6am to be playing games at 1pm. They want to be home until 6, 7pm. So that was just crazy. And then you go into season from April to October. And if you make it to the postseason, you're going into November and they're playing 162 games in 182 days. There's only 20 days off in a matter of six months. So, and half of those days off are travel days where they're going from one city to the next. So you're really only having 10 days off in those six months. So it is super challenging. Uh, A lot of people think, oh, baseball, they start their games at 7 p.m. A lot of those guys are getting to the field at 12 p.m. And if they have a 7 p.m. game, that's oftentimes going till 10, 11 p.m. They're not leaving the field till midnight or later. So it makes it really, really challenging for the the wives and the families of the players because you're not having those dinners together. You're not having that constant time together. I mean, it might be a breakfast, but yeah, it can be really, really challenging. And the other question someone was asking is, what does it mean when you said gut reset? So I think it would probably be a good thing to get into actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with a lot of women, I, I ask some common questions like right after you have a meal, are you immediately bloating right after you eat something? Because oftentimes that's a sign that there might be something going on in your digestive tract. For a lot of women, they might be dealing with uh, a syndrome called leaky gut syndrome or SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth where the intestinal permeability, right? The small intestines, they have the wall 
And usually the wall's like this, it's tight junctures. But over time, if someone's having permeability issues, those junctures get wider. So as food's passing through the intestines, it's actually leaking out into the gut, hence the leaky gut syndrome. A lot of women are suffering with this and they don't even realize that they have it. So one question I ask women is right after you eat, are you getting bloated, chronic bloating? Because this is often a sign that someone may be experiencing leaky gut syndrome. There is a test that you can do, which is sent to your home and it's a breath test. It's about two hours. You send it back in and they'll tell you if you're positive for leaky gut. But a lot of the times you just have to get into an anti-inflammatory diet to heal that gut lining, to bring those tight junctures back together. So when I'm talking about a gut reset for women, it's women that are having those intestinal permeability issues. They're having digestive issues where they're not turning two to three bowels a day every day, which is the normal amount of bowels that you should be turning a day. That's, that's considered normal, not once a day, but minimum twice a day. And then women that are having any issues with, let's just say, if you're dealing with eczema or psoriasis, a lot of skin issues, this is the, a body's way of screaming something's wrong from the inside out. If you're not feeling it on the inside, then it starts to show itself on the outside on your skin through cystic acne or through the eczema and the psoriasis and some of these other issues. So I help women realize if they are dealing with some of these major symptoms of inflammation, of bloating, of inflammation of the skin, which is a lot of these skin issues. And then we go and look into the gut to see where some of these issues might be stemming from. And we reset the gut. We heal the gut through food, changing the foods that you're eating, getting you onto an anti-inflammatory diet, getting you to go from being carb adapted to fat adapted to help you heal your intestines. So that's kind of what the gut reset is all about. So I believe I heard you and Leslie talking about detox. Yes. So when you're talking about that that gut reset, um, and correct me if I'm off, I believe that your belief was that you have to go through or kind of kickstart it with a, a detox. And I know a lot of people hear that. And, you know, there's sometimes different commercials. There's all types of stuff about giving you different programs for detox. So if someone is wants to start today or as soon as they're listening to us, they want to start kind of resetting their body by first detoxing. I mean, what would be some practical things that they can do at home if they don't have a holistic coach um, at their fingertips? So it's a great question. And one important thing for detox is looking at the kidneys and looking at the liver. And there's a a castor oil pack that you can get from Queen of Thrones. And literally it comes with like this little like mesh thing. And you just pour the castor oil on there. You put it on your back right uh, above the the kidneys, and that's going to help detox the kidneys and the front to help you detox the liver. That's one way that you can start the detoxification process. Other things that you can do is fulvic and humic acid. These are things that you can be doing at home as well to help start the detoxification. And then just making sure that you're really upping your water with good quality water, taking it at least half of your body weight in pounds and ounces every single day. That'll help the body start to detox as well. So what's your expertise, um, Niku? And I believe it probably was Leslie that uh, said this somewhere about doing a water fast. I mean, how does that, uh, I believe I heard, and correct me, is that that can help women reset their hormones um, as far as if they're resetting every everything else. So if someone's hearing that and they're thinking a water fast, like what does that even mean? I mean, what's something practical if that is something that someone chooses to do, a way that they can do it in a healthy way? <laughs> It's so funny you say that because Leslie has been like on this kick with water fasting. And I, 
I've been so scared to even look into it myself, to be honest with you. I'm like, wait, water fast, six days of just water. Like that just seems a little bit crazy to me. Like I'll do a 24 hour fast for sure. But when it comes to the actual water fasting for multiple days in a row, I'm not too familiar with it. I haven't researched it. My mind just can't like wrap my brain around it quite yet. But Leslie Rubinoff will be an excellent resource for anyone that wants to learn more about it because she's, I think she's on like day 10 right now, something crazy. And she feels amazing. That's a true uh, beast, so to speak, because to me, I, I think a mindset um, yes. when you're going on a fast and you see food everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with the, the oil pack, so I'm imagining that someone will ask this question. So I'll ask it because it hits my mind is what does that mean? So when they're doing that, are they not eating regular food or are they modifying their food as well as during the detox period of their um, liver and their kidneys? Definitely when you're detoxing, you want to avoid alcohol for sure. Um, It's a major inflammatory. Obviously, it's going to cause a lot of issues for the liver. So definitely avoid alcohol. And then foods that you want to be avoiding that are very inflammatory are going to be the high sugars and the high carbs. Major carbs I tell people to really, really avoid are your flour, your bread, your rice, um, any sort of candy, sugars of that nature. And then a lot of people don't realize that other things that are sugar alternatives, they actually will still hit the brain the exact same way as if you had cane sugar. So stevia, it's that sweet taste that hits the tip of your tongue that then goes and sends a signal to the brain to release dopamine. And it's that dopamine that creates that gut brain connection that tells the gut, Hey, I'm happy. She just ate something that made me feel really good. Now I have this reward system going off saying, I feel good. I'm doing good. And what happens as time goes on, the sugar dies off. Then you're getting that signal to the brain saying, Hey, gut, go find something that's going to make me feel good. So this gut brain connection, they start moving back and forth between the two of them. So you might not even taste something, but you're walking past something that is sweet. Your brain, your eyes, right? The optic nerve will see the sweet, send a signal to the brain. Hey, that is going to make me feel good. It starts to send a signal to the gut, eat that because that's going to make me feel that reward system, that dopamine release. So a lot of people don't realize that major connection of the gut and the brain they say we have two brains. And oftentimes a lot of people say that our number one brain is our gut. And it's, it's so true. So avoiding the stevia, avoiding the honey, avoiding agave, any of these sweet tastes are going to send the same signal to the brain to release that dopamine, which is going to cause that cycle to continue to happen between that gut brain connection. So I mentioned a sugar detox would actually be a a good thing for our bodies. (laughs) Definitely a hundred percent. So, so Niku, we're thinking about the busy mom, right? There's a lot of busy moms out there, you know, as someone asked you the question that has different, different hats. So, you know, for that busy mom, who's also building her business, and it seems like she just doesn't have the time to make, you know, and I know it's an excuse, but doesn't have the time to make a healthy eating and exercise important parts of her life. I mean, what can she do? She's hearing you and she's realizing, you know what? I got to start somewhere. I mean, what can she do to start building some new habits today? Like right now? (laughs) Totally. So a lot of us know when our kids wake up, right? Like I know my son wakes up between 6.30 and 7 a.m. every single day. So I make sure I wake up at least 30 minutes before he's going to wake up. So I have that time of peace and quiet just for me. So I can do my gratitude practice. I can do my prayer. I can do my grounding, get in a quick little workout. Workouts don't have to be an hour plus. It can be 15 minutes of movement, 20 minutes of movement, 30 minutes. That's just going to really help you connect to yourself. So number one thing I tell mamas is wake up a little bit earlier, 30 minutes earlier, 45 minutes earlier. So you have that 
that time for just you in peace and quiet before the day gets going. That's also going to help you jumpstart your day on the right foot, which is going to carry out into the rest of your day. When it comes to healthy food, one of the best resources is the slow cooker or the crock pot or your, your Instapot. Super simple in the morning. You go ahead and you grab your, your favorite meat, right? Just wash it really, really nicely. Salt it generously. Throw it in there. A little bit of salt and pepper if you want to put some shallots and some garlic. And just turn that sucker on for six to eight hours on a low heat. Or if you have to do it around lunchtime, four to six hours on a high heat. Or three to four hours on a high heat. But it's one of the easiest ways to make yourself some really great home-cooked meals where you're not having to spend a lot of time. So even if you're super busy and you're juggling between taking the kids to school and taking the extracurriculars, you can still have a really nice home cooked meal that's cooking throughout the day. And then you just make a really simple vegetable right before the meal is ready, which only takes 15 minutes. And that sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. So I sure. love a good chuck roast. It's so good. Well, speaking of meat, you know, as I was listening to you and uh, Leslie earlier, what's your, your if you can share with the audience your take on meat choices. Um, I heard you talking about that today. So I think it'd be good to give the audience some thoughts around that. Yeah. So Leslie is very plant-based. So she's one of my best friends, but she's also of the plants only. And I am a meat lover. So the main thing when you're eating meat is making sure that you're getting a high quality meat. It has to be organic. It has to be grass fed. And you want to make sure it's also grass finished. What a lot of people don't realize is even if you go to the butcher and you get an organic grass fed meat, if at the very end, the last couple of days, they're giving them grains to fatten them up, then you're still getting all that extra stuff in the meat that was being put in those last few days. So you want to make sure it's grass fed, grass finished, and that it's organic. So you're not getting any of the corn, which is inflammatory, any of the grains, which are inflammatory, right? You want to make sure that you're eating some high quality meats that are being fed well as well. So what are your thoughts with your clients, Niku? I know I hear a lot of different opinions from different experts about, you know, for example, some will say eating small six meals a day. Some will say three meals a day. Some say intermittent fasting. So for that busy mom and she's thinking, okay, I'm hearing all this expert advice. I need to start somewhere and I'm going to take some of these small practical things that I heard Niku say, but where do I fit in with all the other stuff? Like how many <laughs> meals should I be eating? Intermittent fasting, right? We are like, like an information overload some days, it feels like. A hundred percent. And it's funny because I've done all of them. I've done the paleo diet, the whole 30 diet. I've done the vegan diet. I've done it all. So I know what, what everything feels like in my own body. I even read this book about weight loss that said you want to be eating every two and a half to three hours, which if you start eating at seven in the morning, you're eating every two and a half to three hours, that's going to get you those five, six meals a day. But what's happening is your body is constantly just in digestion mode all day. It's never getting a break. And when we talk about our bodies and how they heal from the inside out, there's a concept called cell autophagy. And you can only get into cell autophagy if there's a period of fasting, usually 12 to 16 hours a day, so that your body can start to naturally turn on its internal vacuum that gets rid of the bad cells in your body, which is also very, very helpful for people that may have... Um, the genetics of cancer disposition in their family, you want to put your body in cell autophagy to turn over these bad cells. To get into a good cell autophagy, you want to be on a 16-hour fast. So that's why a lot of people love intermittent fasting where they're only eating eight hours a day. They're fasting the other 16 hours. That way you're not constantly in digestion mode and you get your body into that state of cell autophagy where it's turning over those bad cells. For me, my eating window typically is 12 to 8. 
That's when I usually eat for a mom. If you have to have your breakfast in the morning, like my mom has to eat breakfast. She eats from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. But we try to keep her in that state. So she's eating for eight hours a day. She's done eating by 4 p.m. And then she's in that state of intermittent fasting so that she can get into cell autophagy, which will also help her with so many other aspects of her health. I do love intermittent fasting, but I don't do it every single day. If you can do it a few times a week, that's great. It's a great start. If you can get to the point where you can do it longer, that's fantastic too. But baby steps, start with just intermittent fasting one day a week, then build up to two days a week, then three days, and just see how you feel. Um, For women though, if you're still cycling, you're in your reproductive years, you do not want to intermittent fast the week of your cycle or the week prior to. So that's something very, very important for the hormones. And if you can uh, share, because I'm sure people are thinking of that, why not? So what, what, how would that affect them if they did do that? <laughs> so when you're thinking about the cycle, the body's going through a lot of stress during that week. Intermittent fasting is also another stressor. So you don't want to put double the stress on your body, which can actually lower your immune system. Makes total sense. So you mentioned your, your mom, and I'm always curious around... When we are passionate, especially in the space of women, you know, what would you say when you kind of step back and you look at your own family and the generations that came before you? And how do you see yourself breaking generational patterns so that your children's children have a different future, especially around health um, and coming from different cultures? Sometimes that can affect or we can, you know, what I say, Niku, is we, we disrupt the apple tree when we decide to do something different, whether it's food, whether it's our health. And um, realizing that probably generations before us probably have different customs around that. So how do you handle that? Or what do you see as far as you being a legacy changer, generational breaker, all that good stuff with um, what you're doing? Such a great question because I actually was raised on a very Persian diet, which is heavy in stews and heavy in rice. Like every meal is a bed of rice and then there's a stew on top of it. And we cooked with a lot of vegetable oils and canola oils, which there's research that's now proven that they are cancer causing. So if I can give any tip to anyone that's listening, get rid of all vegetable oils, all seed oils, and you will definitely be putting yourself on a track for much better health. The best oils to cook with are olive oil, especially if you're just doing like a simple saute with your vegetables, Um, avocado oil, if you're doing a higher flash point, 390 degrees plus like in the oven or in the grill, and then coconut oil. Those are the three oils only that you should be cooking with that are not going to cause a lot of that inflammation and a lot of those issues that have been, have been proven to cause cancer. But I think for, for me, when I, when I really started to study and learn more about nutrition and learn a lot more about gut health, I started to realize all the things that I thought was normal, right. Based on how I was eating growing up, but now I'm like, wow, I definitely don't want that for my family or our future generations. So it's getting that education out there, educating people on why you don't want to be cooking with the vegetable oils and the seed oils, why you don't want to be eating the breads and the white flour and the white rice, because a lot of these are high in sugar and educating them on why sugar is not good for our mental health, why it's not good for our gut health, why it's not good for our skin and so many other things. But it's that education. And even with my own kids, I educate them on why we don't have certain foods in our house so that they can be making good conscious decisions. And I see them taking that education out there into the world with their own friends too. So speaking of kids, so let's say that your son, Kai, he's now 35 years old, Niku, and he's getting his <laughs> mental health checkup and he finds himself in the safe place of America's favorite psychotherapist's office. And she asks him, you know, about his childhood. 
Now she asks him to reflect on who his mother was to him and his younger years. What does he say? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. I don't know what would he say. Um, <laughs> my mom is a go-getter. She's always busy, but I love to grab her and squeeze her and give her double arm hugs. Um, she's funny. She's energetic. She loves to sing and dance. We like to play music together on the piano. We like to be super silly and practice our headstands and our handstands. And she's just full of life, but she is a go-getter that's always running and always trying to build something. And I just hope he would say that he loves me unconditionally, no matter what, and that I brought out the spark within him to find his passion as well. So then she was a go-getter. She was present. She was fun. And uh, he probably is going to resemble you in some way, form, or fashion. <laughs> so, you know, we are just so happy that you were with us today. So what, could, what are some of the things that you're currently working on? How can people follow your, your work, Niku? Yeah. So on Instagram, we just started a brand new Instagram page at Niku Loesch. That's N-I-K-O-U-L-O-H-S-E. And I put a ton of gut health information on there every single day of the week. So you can follow me on there for a lot more information, for some cool stories to just help you through your health journey. Um, the Gut Reset program will be launching again. We're going to do one more round in the fall. So go ahead and follow us on Instagram. We'll be posting about the next challenges and the next Gut Reset programs that are going to be coming up. You can even join our newsletter on there. There's a link in bio to join the newsletter where we're sending out a newsletter every single week to just get you some more information. You can work out with me on the Elevated Tribe. We do weekly workouts virtually on Zoom. So it's a lot of fun. We do everything from yoga to bar to Pilates to hit workouts cardio strength, all from the comfort of your own home. And even if you don't have weights, just grab a couple cans from your pantry and you're good to go. Um, so yeah, come and move with us, come and work with us and just stay in touch with us on Instagram. So come and move and get that gut reset. Well, we are so honored that you are with us and helping us take our life back and our health back. So thank you so much, Niku. You know, so in the words of Oprah Winfrey, no experience is wasted. Everything in life is happening to grow you up, to fill you up, to help you become more of who you were created to be. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week. Thanks again for